0: today's message. Well, one of the wonderful gifts of uh, the Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that they give us encounters of uh, Jesus with certain individuals. And it's easy to kind of overlook these. Um, Jesus, you know, the maker of heaven and earth, walking uh, in these towns and villages. And suddenly has these kind of one-on-one conversations and most of them very public, uh, like this one today that we're going to look at and, uh, interaction between Jesus and a young man. And we don't actually know a whole lot about him. Uh, he, uh, this story is featured in actually three of the four gospels. And so as I was preparing this message, it felt like each one kind of shed a different light on this story, but this young man, he is young. He's rich. Um, he has a lot of possessions, and he also holds quite a bit of authority. And so uh, I want you to, to think of him uh, as being quite well known. I imagine to the people that were listening to Jesus and following after him in this crowd, that they would have known who the, this young man was. And so as we jump into Luke 18, uh, verses 18 to 27, uh Particularly in the, in the stories with Jesus, the fun thing is that you can kind of get yourself into the story. So I want you to imagine that you are part of this crowd that you're following after Jesus and um, listening to his teaching. And then all of a sudden this happens. There is a young man who comes forward and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus turns and, and looks at him and says, Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony and honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard him asked, well, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what's impossible with man is possible with God. When I was growing up, uh cereal companies were a lot more generous than they are today. I don't know if it was the case here in the States, but when I was growing up, you would get free stuff. Uh So like you get a book or like a small toy or like a puzzle uh, of some description. Did they have that here? Is that, was that? Yeah. Yes. And so um, one of the cereals I remember growing up was uh, one called Sugar Puffs. And um, yes, and the the thing I liked about this, one, they had really cool toys. And two, there was just a, an honorable honesty in the name of the cereal that I, you know, I mean so so often uh, as parents you're walking through the aisle basically like being in a candy store uh but here we have sugar puffs and this uh, and I don't know what kind of character that is but um you can make up your mind but anyway they had these really cool like puzzle things and so here's the 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 thing I didn't like the cereal but I really loved the puzzles so I convinced my mom I was like you know can we get this cereal and so I got the puzzle you know and really exciting but then I was like what am I going to do with all this cereal that I don't want to eat. Um, so I ended up trying to flush it down the toilet. Um, and uh and to my horror it doesn't fl- it didn't flush it actually floated. Uh so no matter how, how many times so um, kids don't flush cereal down the toilet. Um, But anyway, sometimes, um, you know, cereal companies, uh, they would actually go one further, and you could collect tokens, you know, if you bought enough cereal boxes, you could get the tokens, you put them on, you put some money on, send it away, and you would get like a bigger toy of some description. And you know what's funny? I think sometimes we think of salvation, and we think of uh, relationship with God in that way. That sometimes it's really about acquiring the, the spiritual tokens, you know? Church attendance, spiritual token. Uh, reading my Bible, spiritual token. Prayer, reading my Bible, you know, um, serving others, spiritual token. And we feel like it's kind of like um, accumulating these. And if we accumulate enough of them, that God is going to be happy with us. And as long as we keep doing that, then our relationship is going to be good. And then we'll enter into eternal life off the basis of all of those spiritual credits. Well, do you know what? This young ruler... Approaches Jesus in a similar way, uh, and that is kind of uh, told by in his question in verse 18, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? A couple of things here uh, about this young man that are really honorable, I, I think. Number one, Mark's gospel tells us that he actually ran to Jesus, and he knelt at his feet. Now there's one thing that we know that for Middle Eastern people of, of nobility, uh, they did not run at this time. You would have had to pull up a, you know, your tunic, expose your bare legs, which would would have been a social no. And, and yet this guy does it. Um, he's not even thinking about that. He sees Jesus, and he runs to him, and he kneels before him. Now, don't forget that Jesus is being publicly and, and aggressively uh, rejected by the religious authorities. And so this is This is bold, to say the least, from this young man as he runs up to Jesus and he asks a question which actually has quite a lot of self-awareness to it. You know, don't forget this guy, he had a lot of money, he had a lot of possessions, he had authority, he was obviously very moral and and sought after God, and and yet there was one thing that he lacked, one thing that he couldn't put his finger on, and so he comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to in- inherit eternal life? And like many good teachers, Jesus responds with a question, to a question, with a question. So he says, why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Now, you know what's interesting? Here at first read, it would seem to imply that Jesus is saying, oh, wait a second, don't I'm I'm not good, actually. I'm not God either, so don't get that idea in your head. But that isn't actually what he's saying here. You see, the thing is, Jesus recognizes something before he even answers this young man's question that he needs to address first before he even gets there. Because up to this point, uh, this young man, he'd lived under the illusion of having intimacy with God because he did all the right things before God. He believed that Jesus had somehow worked his way up to, to eternal life. You know, he'd, he'd just done enough good things and God had accepted him on that merit. And so he comes up to Jesus and essentially asks, Jesus, how can I be that good? Like, how, how do I get as good as you? You know? And so Jesus has to address that misunderstanding. The misunderstanding that somehow works accumulation leads to soul salvation. And that somehow this young man was just lacking that extra credit to push him over the edge. And you know what, guys? It's really easy to fall into this way of thinking in our relationship with God. Um, because we live in a transactional world. You know? Um, as they say, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, and I see this most uh comically in uh, a couple areas one i mean how many people remember when bags were free like traveling you know <laughs> you pay for your flight and you're like great you know we're done and then you actually it's not the end of the story anymore but you know what's even funnier like i feel like when i pull up to a gas station and i just want to top up my tires and uh they want me to pay for air you know <laughs> i'm like paying for air like what in the world we had a gas station in virginia that was like this that required four quarters you know, you would go up and put your quarters in and then uh the last one dropped and you had like ten point five seconds to essentially get around your car. I think it was actually just a humorous thing that the gas attendants, you know, that the gas station were doing, just to see people scramble around their, their car. Um but sometimes we can we can draw that kind of way of thinking into our relationship with God. You know? If I just put enough of those spiritual tokens in then I you mean know, we're good. Like I and then we have a day that is not the case. And we feel suddenly that our relationship with God is kind of falling apart. So if we're not careful, we can make it into a transactional relationship where it's faith in Jesus plus all these other things. And as we look at the Apostle Paul and a lot of the ministry that he was doing to these fledgling churches uh, you know, in the New Testament, in the, the, the early church, that was a lot of the thinking that he was really trying to combat that was kind of edging into the church. You know, they'd started their relationship with God in a place of grace. This was an invitation into relationship with God based on what Jesus had done. And then suddenly, before long, they were kind of trying to add a few things to that. Well, yes, but, you know, as long as you're attending um, Heist church, like three out of four Sundays, you know, as long as that's happening and, you know, We have to be careful that we don't begin to add things. Otherwise, it becomes basically like a spiritual ladder that we have to climb uh, to God. And so Jesus continues in verse 20. He says, you know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All of these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. It's so at this point in Mark's gospel that we read that um, a really beautiful phrase where it says Jesus looked at him and loved him. You know, here's this young man who is he's he's, he's there's an honesty here and a sincerity. He is striving after he's searching uh, for God and for eternal life. And he comes up to him. Yeah, Jesus, I've done all these. I've been really diligent in all these. I mean, I've I've, I've done them. Jesus looks at him and loves him. And yet he sees in this young man that he was trying to enter into relationship with God and into eternity on the basis of his own strength. And Jesus invites him into an infinitely better way, a way of grace. And if we just take a time out for a second... Um, sometimes we have to be careful when we're, we're talking about grace and, uh, you know, entering into a relationship that it's not about works and, uh, we're leaning on the work of Jesus and that is true. But it doesn't mean that we become lazy Christians either. I mean, the apostle Paul talks about, you know, we're running a race here. You know, there's a striving, there's a pursuing after God. There's an energy to it, an effort to it. And uh, the late author, Dallas Willard, he says it really well. He says, Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. What does that actually really mean? Well, guys, it means that, you know, attending church, uh, attending your community group, uh, helping with serving projects, um, studying the Bible, talking with God, all of those things shift from becoming those spiritual credits, you know, that we're just trying to please God with somehow and trying to gain his approval and maintain that relationship. When we accept the grace of God, those things can move from being kind of spiritual credits to ways of just responding to God's goodness and responding to his love. We're not trying to earn anything anymore. In fact, those are ways to grow in our relationship with God. Do you see? So much more freeing, so much more wonderful. One leads to the, the place where this young man came to, where he said, Jesus, I've done all these things, and I feel like I've climbed the ladder, but I'm short. Like I have all these possessions and all this money, but I'm still short. Where am I going wrong? Jesus invites him into a way of grace that leads to life. And so here's the the real moment that the young man's been waiting for. Verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. You feel like the whole crowd has just gone totally quiet, you know? This is the moment. Sell everything you have. Give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And the word sad here doesn't even really uh, convey the depth here. It's like a grief, uh, a downcast nature. Because Jesus' his words, his loving words, made him realize that one, eternal life wasn't something he'd accomplish. And two, you can't enter the kingdom of God under the power of of something or someone else. And possessions and money were that thing. Before, uh, as we look at Mark's account of this story, there's a story that happens before it. And it's a really beautiful scene, actually. So Jesus is, he's teaching, and uh, there's these children that are kind of just playing, and um, I don't know where their parents are. We don't. <laughs> We don't learn that. But these parents are just, uh, these kids are just playing and, uh, they come up to Jesus and the disciples try to shoo them away. They try to dismiss them as if they're a nuisance to Jesus. And Jesus, hilariously, actually ends up rebuking his disciples and saying, no, hey, let them come to me. And so you can imagine that the kids are just kind of jumping around and playing and they're chatting with Jesus. And Jesus turns it into a lesson. He says this, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter it he would say it another way in his famous sermon on the mount blessed are the pure in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven you know not not blessed are the morally confident jesus saying to the ruler this young ruler and he's saying to us today become totally dependent on me spiritually practically no longer lean on your own moral efforts to attain or maintain a relationship with me. No longer look to created things for ultimate fulfillment or your identity. Look to me, the one who made you, the one who saves you. Now, the I don't know if the alarming thing. Uh, maybe you've never heard this passage before, and you're thinking, "Wait a second! Like, uh, as Christians, are we meant to do that?" Like. Uh, Am I meant to go and empty my bank account like after church? I'm I'm not being a follower of Jesus and sell my house. Um, This is a unique commandment. Jesus never gives this commandment again. And and so it's not one that I believe applies to all disciples, our followers of Jesus. But I do think it's a really helpful thing for us to consider, particularly being in an affluent part of the world, in an affluent part of the state, what does this, what does this mean to me? You know, what would be if Jesus were to put his finger on one thing and say, lay this down? I've shared this before, but it could be sport for me. If Jesus asked me to give up sport for a year, could I do it? You know, um, if Jesus asked me to give up donuts for a year, <laughs> could I do it? That sounds silly, but think of the things that dominate your thinking. Think of the things that have the most sway over your calendar. Think of the things that have the most sway over your bank account. And suddenly we're getting close to those things that we would find hard to yield to Jesus, you know, when he asks us in this way. And of course, it's a loving thing. This was all loving direction, you know. It's not like, give up these things because I don't want you to have a good time, you know. No, Jesus is inviting us into true life, life as it was meant to be. So this young man, he walks away sad. And you can imagine the crowd is just kind of standing there. It's maybe a little awkward. This young man walks away and Jesus turns as this young man's walking away and he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is he's essentially saying, look, at, this is impossible. And again, what does, this, what does it mean for us in an affluent part of the world and an affluent part of the state? Perhaps these two things, um, I think it's important for us to consider the fact that For the rich, they can easily fall in love with the things that they acquire. Looking to these things as their primary source of fulfillment, of comfort, of peace, of security. Are there any things that you're finding looking for those things in created things, in possessions, in money? Jesus invites you to find those things ultimately in him. Or maybe it's that wealth and possessions can give us a false sense of confidence in our own self-sufficiency. I think that's where the young ruler was. You know, he had a lot of money. He had a lot of authority. And he had, as far as he was concerned, a pretty awesome moral bank account as well. And so there was a self-sufficiency there. He came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What do I need to do? Because I I can do it, I'm, I'm sure, but, you know. And so... Sometimes I try and think of humor into these scenarios. So you think it's all gone quiet. Jesus says this, the young man is now a little distance away. And then there's that person who's probably, you know, the extrovert and just bursting with this question. Who then can be saved? Like, what are you talking about? You know, and everybody kind of looks wrong. I'm adding a lot of poetic license here. You'll forgive me this morning. But um, we forget that these are real people, real, real stories. Who then can be saved? You know, Jesus, this guy, he was like super moral. He was wealthy, which as far as they were concerned during that time meant that Jesus or God was uh, approving of this person. And so he's wealthy, like of all the people, surely he's the one. He's going to inherit the kingdom of God, right? Jesus finishes with this. He says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What's po- impossible with man is possible with God. This kind of sums this all up. You know, uh, the young man came uh, with confidence in his uh, his moral track record. Uh, he came with confidence in really his wealth and possessions of, of of giving him what he needed in life, and yet there was one thing that lacked, and Jesus says, actually... If you're looking to inherit the kingdom of God, if you're looking to enter into relationship with God, it's impossible in your own strength. But it's possible with God. And you know the really beautiful thing? I, I actually spoke about this last time um, when Jesus talks about taking up your cross and following after him. Jesus is speaking of himself Here the possibility wasn't going to come through any other way except his death and his resurrection. And so when he says, it's impossible for you, but in me, it's possible. Can you see like the sheer love in that statement? That it was him that was going to make it possible to make a relationship between God and And man possible. It would be his death and resurrection that would make eternal life in the presence of God possible, and it would be his death and resurrection that would make us our inheriting a new heaven and a new earth possible. It was him who made it possible, and that is wonderful news for us. That's why it's called good news, you see. So let me me close by... um, I find it interesting just to think of some of the people that this might resonate with. You know, who is Jesus speaking to? And uh, the first person, I I thought, Jesus' words speak to those who approach God on the basis of what they've done or what they do. Up to uh, just a few years ago, I think I really leaned into this side of things. Jesus, I... I've attended church since I was a kid. I uh, I come from a missionary family. My mom and dad have been Christians. I come from a Christian family. I've been involved in Christian ministry for as long as I can remember. I have worked in the church for 10 years. I studied theology at university. And Jesus, see, like all of these things, like um, these kind of spiritual credits, surely that means then that I'm accepted by you. And then if I would have a good day on top of all that, then I would really feel like, yeah, I am, you know. But I am no different than the young ruler. Or I was no different than the young ruler who came and said, look, I've got all these things, but I'm missing, I'm missing something. So can you just help me with this extra little piece? If that resonates with you, Jesus invites you to lay your confidence in all your own works and put your faith in his finished work for you. Just like the Apostle Paul said. He, he laid on all those kind of things. You know. Put his faith in Jesus alone. The second kind of person that Jesus is speaking to. Is those who strive to maintain. Or even attain a relationship with God. Maybe you've been in this situation before. You get up. You get the coffee on. You know. You read a psalm. You feel like God really speaks to you in it. Uh, you get a call from work, uh you, you you know, and they've got an issue going on. You solve it within like two minutes, and it's like, man. And then, you know, you're on your way out your driver. You see that, you know, your neighbor is looking to carry something out Just you. you. You go in, and you pick it up, and you put it in. You're, you, you know, you're with the kids later, and you're super patient, and parenting like a, you know, like a, a, you know, example of what a parent should be. And then you pray, and you get in your bed, and you think, I'm such a good Christian. My gosh, like, God's so pleased with me. Like, I, and then you get up the next morning, spill the coffee over yourself and over your Bible and um, totally ignore the neighbor that you see is in need. You go to work and like yell at your coworker and then you come home and yell at the kids and um, you totally forget to talk to God at all through it. And then you get into your bed at night. And what do you feel? God is somehow distant. He's turned his back on you. And my gosh, I need to get up tomorrow and I need to, I need to earn back that, that approval. Then he'll turn his face to me. I just say that with detail because I lived it for (laughs) quite a while. Jesus says, stop putting your faith in your works. You're never going to have enough good days to earn a relationship with me. So stop striving. Lay down the need to earn this relationship and accept it as a free gift, as a finished work. And then, just lastly, uh, there's those who feel like they'll never have a relationship with God. Remember the centurion who said to Jesus, "Don't even come to my house. Like I'm not, I'm not worthy enough. Just say the word, but don't, don't come anywhere near me. I, I'm, I'm not worthy. I'll never be worthy enough." Maybe that, maybe you feel that way today? Well, actually, good news. It was people like that that Jesus said were closest to the kingdom of God. Uh, Those who were poor in spirit, who recognized their need of him. So Jesus says, come, find forgiveness in me. Accept the free gift of relationship and eternity with me and experience the free gift of the Holy Spirit to transform your life, to transform your life. Jesus welcomes us into grace today. Thanks for joining us today and listening to our weekly podcast. My name is Will Heron. I'm the director of discipleship here at The Ridge. If you would like to dig a little deeper into what we've been talking about today, uh, be sure to check out Beyond the Sermon. This is a weekly devotional that goes out after second service on Sunday. There you'll find the scripture that we've been looking at, some questions for you to, to dive into. But then there's also a discussion uh, that I have with whoever is teaching that Sunday and we just dive deeper into different themes and topics from the sermon. If you've enjoyed our podcast, feel free to share it with your friends and also jump on our website, ridgelife.org to get more connected here at The Ridge.